human, thanks for letting us into your ears today. We are about to catch up with the main. These guys are pop punk legends. They have uh, a brand new album. It's casually their eighth studio album. It's called XOXO from love and anxiety in real time. And we're going to talk all about it, plus their history, where they're going, and so much more. And by the way, today's conversation is sponsored by Total Wireless. Do amazing. Okay, share this podcast with those you care about. Please hit subscribe. And yeah, let's talk with the main. Hi, beautiful human. My name is Zach. That's Dan. And we welcome to the studio of the main. Hey. Hey. Woo. Two of the five. We have to do our the own applause, too. Yeah, the, you know, we I'm have, sure there's people for it, but I, we can't afford that. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, we are running on literally shoestrings, half a paperclip, and just just <laughs> willpower and MacGruber. a dream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's a great compliment. But it's an honor to have you guys here. You uh, y'all have been making music for a very long time. 2007. Just wondering, as of today, like, do you put the main in a genre? Do you care to put the main in a genre? When people always ask us, like if, you know, if whatever, our mom's friend was like, hey, what kind of music do you make? I default by saying. You say rock and roll? Well, I don't do that anymore because nobody understands it's a joke when I say that. But he's like, rock and roll, brother. Rock and roll, bro. I would say I just default alternative pop. Okay. But I don't know. I think nowadays, especially with the way that music's trending, I feel like there aren't. I don't know. There's so many artists that don't have genres. Like, they don't have boxes to check. So, I don't know. I, you know, it's really interesting because as we, as you say, like, there's artists that don't have genres. That's true. Like, people shouldn't limit themselves. People shouldn't feel like they have to fit a mold. But in the same breath, there seems to be a resurgence of pop punk like we haven't seen in a minute. For sure. And... Do you consider yourself a pop punk band anymore? I don't think we ever were. We just somebody handed that title to us early on, and it was. I mean, I don't know what else I would have called us back yeah, then, too. It it's what just easy, what, easy way to like kind of you know associate us with a bunch of other bands, you know, especially our peers and, and people we toured with a ton. I mean, we did the warp tour, we did the warp tour, I wouldn't say so many times, but enough times to. People would say like, "Oh, you're a Warp Tour band." Yeah, and then I actually got tripped up and thought that we had done Warp Tour like nine times. <laughs> and Pat, our drummer, was like, "Yeah, we actually only did it four times, but just by association, you know, we were." Wow. Yeah. So I don't know. You, you I, feel you feel like you you were making music within a era that like yeah you're right like if you were a part of this tour Warp Tour or if you played Bamboozle exactly yeah totally but but in the same breath like. You know, Kesha played Bamboozle. Mike Posner did Warp Tour. For sure. Yeah, Katy, Katy Perry, Perry was on, on Warp Tour. Yeah. Like, you know, I think we've just, we've taken a lot of detours over the years, musically. Just stuff that caught our attention, stuff that we wanted to do. And so, I think the best answer would be, like, are you guys pop punk? It's like, we we can still do that. Like, I, I, think, I don't think it's, like, outside of the yeah, wheelhouse. I think but. sonically, we've always probably been more uh, to the pop side of things. Yeah. And I think with the way that we operate as a band, that would be the more punk aspects of what what the main is. I think just the DIY approach, the very hands-on approach, the very, for lack of a better term, organic approach to the way that we operate. Um, I think those are like the punk rock kind of aspects, but 
I think our sounds always gravitated towards pop. Yeah. What is a pop sound? Is that how a song is structured? How do you define that? I personally feel like it's the it, it's in the arrangement. I feel like traditional pop arrangements, and at least in my brain, the way that I kind of think of songs is more linear. And and I think that very early on, actually, before we were in a band together, we would kind of. Uh, dick around and like send Fruity Loops like rap beats to each <laughs> other and that was kind of where my brain started to associate like building a song and ever since then you know the, the thing that's always attracted me about song arrangement has always been hooks like always been choruses um, and that's kind of been just, it's hard it's so hard to like once you develop a, a, a process like once you develop an approach it's so hard to unlearn how you go about doing that. And I, I, I we've ta- tried to do it so many times, and then we always, like, within, like, what, like a week, we're right back, back to the to same. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, it's bridge, chorus. It's hard to deviate. It's, it's, it's like, I can't unknow it, you know? I can't unlearn how to do it. So, you know, especially when we make records now, it's really imperative that we, like, try to get uncomfortable and try to, you know, break that, I guess, tradition that we've kind of fallen into. Mm-hmm. So. Do you feel like you get too comfortable because you've been doing it forever? For sure. A hundred percent. I think up until this past 19 months, you know, life in a band or at least in our band was very cyclical. It was like, you know, you put out a record, you tour for two years, you get back in the studio, do it all over. On the dot. You know, it was literally every two years. So until this happened... We never really took time to like, you know, try to, and it's every, every record you try to do something different, but when you kind of develop such an incredible routine, mm-hmm. um, it's really hard to kind of break that tradition again, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like, I don't know. Did you not like how the song sounded when you tried to break that or did, did it just not feel right at all? It never felt like forced just because our goal was to go in and do some wild stuff over the years. Like we did on our third record, I think we had like 27 tracks that were like (laughs) all over the place. Like some of them were like electronic and some of them were like folk. And it was just like, at the end of the day, we had to cut it down to how many songs were on Pioneer 12? I think 14. 14. And that's still like, for us, that's a long record. But I think even on that record specifically, like, like in retrospect and looking back and, like, thinking about our catalog, there are songs that, like, kind of, they're kind of pretty manic in the, the way they sound sonically, and I feel like... Isn't that punk? Yeah, I think that's, like, I think inevitably it creeps into what we just are. I think it just... I don't think we could look at ourselves in the mirror if we just photocopied something we'd already done. I think it would feel too inauthentic from our side of the fence. And mm-hmm. I, I know that I wouldn't be down if we just, like, you know, phoned it in. So every th- I guess to answer your question, like, every record that we write, it's whatever we're feeling in the moment. And sometimes those moments are, are super brief because of the cycle that we kind of fall in. Like, you have to... We, we definitely fall under the, the category of, like, giving ourselves a, a timeline because if we don't, you'll get, like, the third record. You get 27 songs <laughs> and you'll get, like... The hardest part is definitely being like, okay, we're done. Like, yeah. that's just, for me at least, yeah. that's to be like, okay, that's it. For there sure. it is. And, and, like, with this, like he was saying, we had how many months to do this compared to normal? Like, usually a, a whole, like, writing and recording process for us is just a couple of months. Yeah. And we had this thing, we... 
had we've had it done for a year a year <laughs> yeah so it's yeah. just like we're just like when do we when do we go you know it was, it was wild even though you 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 change it up sonically, but the structure is always the same in the songs, no matter what? Not necessarily, no. And and that's kind of the, you know, it, that heavily falls on how the demo feels to Got begin it. with. So if it feels good, and especially on this record, we produced this one ourselves. So we didn't really have the ability to rely on somebody that, you know, wasn't on team the main. It's like, you know, when you get into that, aspect of things it's like it's really easy to kind of bs yourself and be like we're the best and we're the greatest and <laughs> this is amazing you know it's fun too that we're doing fun. something <laughs> groundbreaking but this record specifically we, a lot of these songs didn't change from demo form so they like you know we went back and replaced sounds and recut vocals but like for all intents these songs kind of were the the demos yeah. And you'll notice like there there are songs that you know start with a chorus or you know mm-hmm. kind of they, they go all over the place. So again, it was probably a combination of not having a producer mm. and us having a bit more of that freedom and and kind of exploring mm-hmm. I guess new aspects of of songwriting. Mm-hmm. Is that one of the big differences between this latest body of work and you are okay? A hundred percent. Yes. And I think this one just, again, differs from every other record because every other record we've had the ability to kind of fall back on a producer and and that, you know, extra brain in the room. That being said, we did have a good buddy, Matt Keller, who is an incredibly talented producer in his own regard. And engineer. And engineer. And he kind of engineered the whole thing. So he was the one kind of flying the ship. And and we, we had the ability to be like, all right, now for this part, we're going to set up a snare drum in this room and keep the door open. And then we're going to close the door as you play it so that it gets... <laughs> it was just like... And he's like, down. I'm down. So... The other weird thing is like when, you, when you're when you laying something down, like you kind of turn around to see like how everyone's like gauging it. And it's just us. There's no producer. So it's just a couple guys being like, yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, let's move on. And then it's like, you know, but that's kind of fun. That's kind of the fun part because you're not For like sure. looking to one person to be like, you know, um, to kind of add that one flavor to the thing. I think it's all five of us being like, how do we all feel about this? Yeah. You know? So that was fun. You're looking to nobody but yourself for validation. Yeah. For sure. Why did you guys decide to do this with, without a producer? Whose decision was that? It was kind of just a group decision. And, and, um, to be candid, I mean, we had finished the tour at the end of February. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were in Europe and we were like, all right, this is do this, this will do it for the cycle. And then as COVID started picking up, we were almost like outrunning the shutting down of like all these European countries. We were like, and we almost didn't make it back into the US. Oh, wow. So it was more clear, you know, that we needed to like figure out how we were going to operate you know, all of last year, we knew knew we needed to, to uh, record a record that was of the utmost importance. So it was just kind of like not having time to to really freak out and, and overthink it. We also can't be idle. We started to see that like that, what we thought was going to be like three weeks was going to be a lot yeah, more. So sure. we were like, 
what do we do with all this time? And it, the most natural thing was like, we got to make the next record. We got the most like- natural thing: kick my wife out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> she had to go. Is that what you did? Yeah, we did that for two weeks. We went to John's house and like bubbled there and like we just bubbled wrote. there. She was bummed. Shout but, out to Megan. Thank you, Megan. Yeah, shouts out. Where did you send her to? Fortunately, my folks live right down the street. Oh, cool. So yeah, in Arizona. In Arizona. Do you like the fact that you still live where you grew up? I do. I ended up buying a house before COVID as well. This is the Mazel first house tosh. I ever bought. And it was kind of in the same world that I lived in. I it's I, I had lived in a different apartment um in a different part of the valley. And I don't know. I'm an older man now. <laughs> I I like quiet. I don't like uh <laughs> I don't like the boom boom. So does it help for uh, creativity? Um, I think real? what helps me creatively is being able to travel, like, especially, you know, with everything that, that happened. I, I went on a couple. I love camping. Oh. So I went outside a bunch and I got to see a lot of national parks that I'd never seen. It was odd because, again, so much of our, our lives for the past 15 years have been spent on the road. And so having... This abundance of time was, mm. I don't know, it was, you know, it, it makes me stir crazy, but I also got, you know, to see a lot of parts of the United States I'd never seen before, so. Are you creating music while you're doing this, or you, when you go and you all get together for two weeks, do you try to finish everything at the end of the two weeks? So, I had written a good portion of things in Europe, so uh, for the first time, um, I was able to write on the road, and... We had had quite a few songs that yeah. came from that batch. And then we ended up writing together a little bit. and We were just bouncing stuff around on the laptop. So that normally we don't write really at all on the road. It's just chaotic and it's yeah. a weird environment to do it in. But we had a lot of downtime. So just be like laptops open every day, like coming up with whatever, little bits and pieces here and there. And then came home with a good amount of stuff. I mean, you had a, a bunch of stuff stacked up. And then to to, to kind of further, it's like, once we kicked my wife out, <laughs> um, that's when kind of the the real kind of like whittling process happens. So we're we're super hard on ourselves and and super, mm. um, I guess specific when it comes to what songs we want to tackle. Um, and we kind of whatever from forty ideas whittled it all the way down to to eleven, and then from there next one more. Yeah. Do you so. set any goals before you start making this thing? Or What was kind of nice is um, I had written with uh, a buddy, Andrew Goldstein. and Big deal. Yeah, he's a great dude. And, and that was sort of the very start of the writing process. So I wasn't even supposed to stick around. Um, and that night I was either going to book a flight or go do this session. And I'm fortunate that I went and did the session because we wrote the opening song Sticky. on the record, Sticky. Mm-hmm. So good. Thank you so Thanks. much. And and that day was like, I don't know, it just felt very, I mean, it sounds hippie, but it's it's felt very like like fate had intervened and, and that was supposed to happen because having that feeling is something that I don't think we've ever felt with a song of ours, of just like no the way. immediacy yeah. of falling in love with a tune. So having that under our belts really kind of set the stage and it kind of took the pressure off of the rest of the record in that we felt that confident in that song that we could kind of have a bit more freedom. So 
Oh, wow. So were you, do you mean freedom like, okay, you know that this song has the potential to be a hit? It, we no, just off some boxes? Knowing that we so had just, one. Yeah, more so just like the overwhelming feeling that we all were in agreement on a track. Like, we knew that that could just be, what it, for whatever it means anymore, a single, you mm-hmm. know? For whatever it means anymore. It's a, I don't know, you know? It's yeah. like, because it, it, for us, you only have so much say in like, what songs you're going to release before a record comes out. But the beautiful part about releasing a record is that then people can come together and tell you what they dig, you know, and and they can dictate the songs. So now once this thing got released, it was like there was this second half of the record that nobody had heard that people are now like, you know, coming together and saying Dirty Pretty Beautiful and High Forever are like the songs. And we're like, oh, Okay, <laughs> I didn't know that you wanted those. Okay, so but before Sticky, we didn't have we we I mean we had all these demos that we're talking about, but before that moment, it was like like you're saying, not knowing where to take the record, not knowing what to do on your eighth studio album. It's like that's it's a feat, dude. It's a feat, and it's like hearing that. The thing about John that's I find it's kind of funny is like we've known each other for so long, but like it's rare that I'll get that text from him that's like got something like we have something right now and then like we got that and then we heard sticky and all of us were like holy shit like Mm. this is legitimate like this is a really awesome first thing to have and it was so strong and i mean you know i just thought that like that the timing of it was perfect because that was the jump off point for what came after and it allowed us to kind of really spark that creativity on the record yeah and create an album behind it yeah well john where did sticky come from like how did you even start that so it was, I kind of have uh, quirky little like ways that I go about uh, writing or like jotting down things, that, ideas and titles and stuff. So I had my computer open and I usually run with like pages and pages of working titles. It'll be like whatever, Zach song or Blue, <laughs> Blue Sky. And it's like, oh, I had this idea for a song called Blue Sky. And it's like, Oh, I was looking up and, you know, whatever it is. So Sticky was hanging around in, like, the middle of one of these pages. And Andrew actually was like, Sticky, he's like, what does that mean? It's like, I was taking it, like, the, you know, something about you stuck. And, it, and it, I couldn't shake it and couldn't kind of wiggle it free. And he's like, oh, that's cool. And he, like, grabbed the guitar. He's like... Okay, <laughs> and then it just kind of like started to kind of fall out, and it sounds really like, again, hippie, but it felt very like serendipitous that it was just like that, and then this, and he played a riff, and I'm like, okay, yeah, but what about if it's like this? And then we wrote the chorus, and it kind of just fell out. Jared, when he sends it to you, do you immediately know like, okay, this is what I can add to the song, or do you guys have a discussion about where you want it to go? Well, with Sticky, it was just kind of like. Why don't we just do what what's happening there and just keep that going? Like you know, it didn't really need much. It was it was it's one of those like one listen tracks to me. It was where it was like, oh, I heard it, and like by the second chorus, I'm like, I know what you guys did, and it's in my brain now. Like which to me was awesome. It's we haven't I haven't heard that really out of us ever. You know, so that was a cool kind of new territory. With other songs, sometimes it's like as stuff is flying back and forth, it's like, well, I can maybe this needs to be feel more like a rock band or it needs this, like more more of a global sort of mm-hmm. like idea at first. And then once we get into the studio or pre-production, 
we start to whittle down into what that actually means. There but, are definitely battles too where it's like where where it's like do I what do I do? You know, from his perspective, it, it's 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 a hard thing to navigate because it's like, do I just make the parts that are there sound better mm-hmm. and more high fidelity, or do I, you know, implement this other thing? Yeah. So it's definitely that's why turning around and looking at people's faces <laughs> while I'm doing it is like very helpful. I'm like, yeah, uh, they're like, nah, no, or no. yeah, they're like, yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, it's but it is. It's like that. It's very tailored to the moment and what's actually happening kind of dictates the flow of how things get edited and worked on and and yeah, I think but with sticky it was just like I was like good job guys. <laughs> like let's do it. Would you say it's the most pop or mainstream song you guys have put out? Maybe. Isn't it your oh. first like big radio hit in 13 years? Uh, I mean, yeah, this yeah. is like the only time we've ever like really tried to go to radio. So it was like but to to the pop thing, I mean, we, I don't know, we have like, <laughs> our first record has some real poppy moments. Yeah, I mean, that, for sure. I mean, well, and there was a, there was a track on that, right? Was it, was it Into Your Arms, the one that we took? Right. It was like, they told us one of them was on the radio, but I never heard it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so yeah, I would say sticky for us. <laughs> this is, like, is definitely the first time. <laughs> were, you, were you guys just hopeless back then? What was it? What fearless. Was it? We were fearless. Fearless. Yeah. fearless. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's when I first interviewed you guys. Hell yeah. On the phone. That's, That's so crazy. wild. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Oh. Very long time. But you work with Matt Squire on Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Yeah. He's a big deal. Yeah. But do you stop? You, you, that's the only project you work with him on, right? You switch immediately. You do like a Christmas EP after that. And you Full circle else. after that, we did You Are Okay with him once again. Why did it take so long in between? I think it was just more so like the idea of of not, you know, only having one experience, you know. So it was like go into the, the studio for Can't Stop, have this moment with this guy you know it it might be the same way as like if i went and wrote with andrew again like you might not be able to recreate that but you almost have to appreciate it more for for having had happened you know if that makes sense it's beautiful i know people who work the opposite who are like okay we did it once now i'm gonna uh, we're gonna work together every day absolutely i guess we also kind of got in, in, in a roundabout way kind of forced into uh, signing with Warner Brothers. So Fearless was saying that they were going to sell and we didn't know where we were going to end and, up. So it was like... The shittiest situation ever. Absolutely. So we had to kind of, uh, you know, tr- try to convince people at Warner Brothers or Atlantic or wherever, like, hey, we're good. Like, yeah. you want us? <laughs> so None of them signed you. They have no investment in you. But now you have to resell yourself. Exactly. That's Yeah, that was a weird part. Well, and like he's saying, things changed so quickly after that first record, too, that it was like by the time we had landed at Warner, there was just a whole new set of, like, um, blueprints for where we were supposed to go next. And I think at that point, Can't Stop, the first record, was just kind of, like, in the rearview mirror. And we were just thinking about what happens next. So you've got people at the label, like, oh, I've got this connection. I've got that connection. And then... You know, next thing we knew, we ended up in the studio with Howard Benson. And it was like, that for us was like another dream come true. We wanted to do that really bad. You know, he did a lot of records that that I liked or that yeah. we liked. So, And then ironically enough, everybody that was working at Warner Brothers um, that convinced us to sign there ended up getting fired. And so 
but, but, <laughs> no, well, I don't think because of us. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but we, we eventually kicked and screamed till we got off Warner Brothers. So it was like a fucked up. They were like, situation. hey, nice to meet you guys. And then you see them the next day, all their stuff is in like a box and they're like leaving the building. Like, Where are you going? Wait, so let me just get this timeline correct. You get signed to a label and then the label, then you they sell it, right? They Okay, so the even more fucked up thing is that Fearless never sold their company. They never sold their record label. So we're like, oh, we're glad we got off. This, yeah, this but they were, they were a talk. So, uh, you know, I, yeah. if, if you know that you're going to be stuck on the ship, then you're going to, try to find a way to like, Get you know, yeah, you got to find your own way, which is what we were doing. So with no knowledge of where they were headed, that we just made a decision yeah. based off of that. So whether or not they sold or not, we just made the decision based then on we what go we to thought Warner was Brothers. happening. <laughs> we go to Warner Brothers, we released the record, then <laughs> like six or seven weeks into the release, it was like, oh, well, yeah, like, good job. I got to like work on Green Day's record. And it was like, that's kind of the focus. So then it's actually kind of crazy. We went, to Jersey and we were playing a summer tour and the CEO at the time had us over for dinner and he's like, without saying it, he's like, basically like, yo, I'm going to get fired <laughs> and you <laughs> guys should say probably it. leave. Yeah. He didn't say it. He basically, the like, whole vibe was like, guys, get out. Yeah. You know, which it was, was very, wild. Like, it was very Sopranos. <laughs> Dude, it was <laughs> like, wild. He's like, I've got some information yeah. for you. <laughs> Like a guy I know yeah. told me. It's like <laughs> it, it was very much coded, but we were like I remember leaving the house and being like, What was that? We were dude? like I remember leaving being like, Man, that house was awesome. That food was really good. Hey, what was that vibe? Yeah. Like, you know, and we all talked about it and thought about it. And then the more we kind of like zoomed out and looked at our situation, we were like, I think we have to try to get out of here. You know, like and sure enough, to like two like two and a half weeks later, it was like I'd like to formally announce my, you know, yeah. my resigning from, yeah. It's like, whoa. And then yeah. with him, everybody else left. Yep. Yeah. A lot of people. A lot, a lot of parts moved around yeah. over there. A lot of and the people that we had known, you know, that we had worked worked with directly. And what is yeah. this, like 2010, 2009? Mm-hmm. 2010. Wow. Yeah. And it was, just, it was just like, you know, the, the timing was weird. The regime came in and we were like, yeah. well, we got a record done. And they were like, well, we don't make records like that. Like, we like to be involved. We're like, oh, we made a record. <laughs> it's like, so yeah. then we wrote a letter and <laughs> told our fans and wham, got messy. Wham, 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 let us out of here. And yeah. Kicked and screamed and then yeah. they let us go. We were so. bratty enough and they, they let us go. So. And no label now. Not until this record. Yep. And we finally met and teamed up with people from Photo Finish that Mike Marquis and Matt Galley, who have helped book us for pretty much 14 years. Um, that was the only, we had made up our minds, like we're never going to be on a record label unless it's with people that we trust, like unless it's with people that we know. And we fortunately just had such a, a I don't know, just like such a, a great symbiotic relationship with our, the people that dig our music that it's been just like, very harmonious in that we can just put out music and they come to gigs and they dig it and yeah 
up until then, we we had never kind of dabbled. So who knows your fans better than you? And then also, like you deserve to be in a place and with people you trust and are comfortable with, and also you have faith in. And mm-hmm. I mean, dude, like you've been doing this since the dawn of time, essentially. Yeah. And I mean that yeah. as like a joke, but like yeah. 2007, long like, time. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time too. Like at a certain mm. point, you deserve control for and sure, trust, and to be with people that you like are comfortable with. And totally, God, yeah, yeah. I mean, we actually were walking. Um, down by Venice today, and we were reminiscing about a photo shoot early, <laughs> early on, where like the people from the label like told us what to wear and like told us. Do you know like, like he that graffiti was wearing zone? sandals, and they were like, like, "Yo, you can't wear sandals." <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, I was wear- literally wearing sand, which was a good call. Like, don't wear sandals on this uh, photo I mean, shoot. Yeah, but you're also at the beach. I don't that know. was at the beach. Good I don't vibe. know. But from like, Arizona. telling us like what to do with your hands, and like that was just such a. I don't know. It's funny because I actually had this pulled up. And like, what do you guys yeah, think when you see? Yes. This? What do you guys think when you see some of these pictures? Like, it's crazy. Okay, Let's see. So hey, like- can we see the? Uh, okay, there's one from. Uh, I think it's from Bamboozle. The one, this one? second row. Okay. Uh, with the logo, our logo, right to the left of that one. This one. Yep, that one. <laughs> wow. Is that it? Sandals. Yes, I have sandals on in that. What year is this? You think? 2012. This is. 2008, 2008. There it is. Dude, there sandals. it is, dude. Photo bucket. Oh, yeah. Look at them back there. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> <laughs> the pair of rainbows. Well, this also answers your question about what genre, you know, like pop punk. This is what pop punk looked like yeah, at the dude, time. You so guys it's never like, shout never the cat. Even if you didn't yeah. listen to our songs, you'd be like, oh, that's a pop punk band. Easy. For sure. Yeah. You go to Hot Topic. 100%. Your jeans are your sisters. <laughs> For sure. It's so funny because everyone, I remember everyone being like, you guys all have the same haircut and at the time i was like no, no we don't no, you do. and then you look at it now and you're like oh my god we totally did <laughs> for sure i used to be so offended by that i was like yeah. his insult we all go to different people yeah. like we don't <laughs> no like she straightens it i don't straighten it dude i mean you guys had the swoop and the mullet going yeah, at the same dude. time yeah I got some, yeah, there's some Rod Stewart stuff happening. It got there. wild Dude, for a little bit there. They, but everybody looked the same. For I, sure. I remember, like, harassing people to do interviews with me backstage at Warp Tour and Bamboozle. And, like, I, I was on a, a, still a pop station, but, like, the alternative scene, at least locally, was, it was big from coast to coast. But mm. so specifically, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, I mean, like the venues, like every, they were always touring. Absolutely. Yeah. Always doing shows. Do you think it could be what it was? Like, do you think a warp tour or a bamboozle could ever exist the way a Lala does today? Like, where it's just this uh, kind of like. I don't know. Because, like you said, even like, I remember even like the merch for bands looked the same. Like, everything looked the same. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like. It was a format. It was a, there was a format to yeah. it for sure. But also. The internet wasn't as available. Yeah. I feel like it was like it was, but it was still. It was just starting. It it was like MySpace, you know. So I don't know if it could ever. It, like, well, I mean, we're, we're doing Sad Summer right now. I mean, how many hair metal bands are there around right now? Like, it's the it's just that sort of niche thing where it's like I do, but I do think. I do think that, like, for what's happening right now, there are a lot of people that have really good memories, like, tied to that, especially it was the first time on the internet. First time everybody was connected to each other and, like, agreeing. And, like, you could find out that there was somebody on the other side of the country that was into this thing that you were and looked like you. And it was, like, that sort of thing was so powerful back then. And we really relied on that when we were getting started. So I think to bring that forward into what's happening now, it's, like, something like Sad Summer is kind of a direct 
uh, result of all of that stuff. And it's just kind of the more focused, more grown-up way to do it's it. It's for sure not as big as Lala. No. <laughs> but no. to be honest, it, like we played Anaheim and it was it, it, it was it looked amazing. It was 9,000 people. It was a big I mean, show. That's a huge— Yeah, yeah I totally. Mean, you know, and huge credit to All Time Low. You know, it's like for them headlining this— this festival, like, it's been great to have this sort of crossover with all these fans and with the bill that we have. Like, it's been really, really fun to see all that stuff come together. We're yeah. all cut from the same generation. Yeah. For sure. And, For sure. I mean, come on. who All Time Love was playing all the same Warped Tours and Absolutely. all the sure. same Bamboozles. What is it like having these fans grow with you? Like, I, I can imagine the shows aren't as crazy as they were because— the the, <laughs> the fans are older and not wanting to go like jump around anymore. Definitely not as um, not as crazy when it comes to like moving, but <laughs> arguably crazier now that there's like heavy amounts of alcohol because oh, yeah. it's like not so much anymore. But like I remember when we were like when they were noticeably like now they're twenty one. Now it was just like. And just like the, it, it was like no, no rules because they were just like, oh, we can have as many drinks as we want in the venue. And I remember like doing meet and greets and just being like, uh-huh, oh my god, guys, uh-huh. yeah, like, and sh- there's there's a guy and a girl just like, oh, we love it, and you're just like, uh huh, thank you, thank you. So. It's like having like a little sibling. It's like it totally is. You know, it's like growing growing up with a fan base, <clears throat> huge blessing. Like it's amazing. And there's so many fans that we'll see and like I remember faces, a lot of names of people sure. that have been around for years and years. There's a lot of they'll follow. Like, yeah, we have, oh, yeah. We have fans that'll come to like ten shows on a tour. Like a lot of fans that will. I mean, there's that loyalty that I've only found is bred <clears throat> in genres like that. Yes. Like exactly. anything that like has rock attached to it in any way, like dude, I go to more pop shows than anybody mm. else. I've never seen anything like yeah. that. Like, people will tour and follow you all, yeah. I'm sure. We're we very a, fortunate a, for that. A, a girl named Steph show up mm. at the meet and greet before one of our shows. In Phoenix? In Phoenix at yeah. a record store. And she had come from New York and said she was going to hit 200 on this tour. That's wow. crazy. Yeah. 200. Wow. Like, and to, to go to your point, I remember being on tour with Good Charlotte in 2008. And I remember they had fans that were like i'm at 400 you know i'm at almost 500 shows crazy it's like that's wild yeah but we've watched it we've watched them go from like then till now so you know it's just been funny to see it's like they've gone through the same awkward phases that we did for sure you know just like in front of us and vice versa so it is a very like kind of i think you're right it does does feel very much like sibling because you know there's Another girl that we had talked to a couple of weeks ago that said that she just got her doctorate wow. and went through medical school and now is a doctor. It's just like, I remember mm. being their age and them being 16, 17 years old. And it's just like, it, it's very full circle. And we never got our PhD. So. And we're not doctors. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. No. Not, never <laughs> say <time>. never. <laughs> What do you attribute the connection and the strength of the connection to? Is it the lyrical content? Because... My sister is a huge fan of you guys to the point where, like, she, she was calling you nonstop today. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. She just had a baby, and my nephew wears a, like, he's seven months and he wears, like, a onesie thing that is yours. That's amazing. Amazing. It's like my mom is the a main fan, whatever the f. I don't That's know. That's amazing. I got a picture. But well, yeah, shouts out to the fam, first yeah, of all. That's out. awesome. Thanks. And congratulations. Shouts out to that baby. Yeah, it's good style. Jackson's cool. Yeah. He dresses well. 
I don't know. I mean, uh, the no, the non-humble answer would be uh, I hope it's authenticity and just us being like normal-ass people. But you are that in the lyrics. I hope so. You're you know, yourself. because we're not we're not trying to preach anything but we have no fucking idea just like everybody else. Like, <laughs> yeah. we don't. Like, and I think that it's really important, you know, especially for me to vocalize that, like, you know, n- not everything's all right all the time, you know? And I, I think that that's what I found in music. That's what I took from music before I, long before I was writing songs was solace in knowing that somebody else was feeling some semblance of the, the same feeling I was, you know? And I think that, uh, I hope that's what people, you know, what, what resonates with people. I think it, I mean, my sister has your lyrics tattooed on her body. That's like, amazing. A few of them. My question is, at this point, what does music give to you now that you know what it gives to others? It's very cathartic for me to to still write. Like, it's very cathartic to, like, it's almost like, you know, some form of therapy, you know, it's free. Technically is revenue positive. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's you know, I still love firstly I love the process of making music. I love the studio. I love um kind of exploiting everything that the studio has to offer. Um and like I said, I, I think I find a lot of arguably just as much from kind of being vulnerable that hopefully people, you know, feel um, in return. I don't know. It's it's something that I still love doing and and I'm very passionate about, you know, from songwriting standpoint. That's still, like, the most fun part of the whole thing. I mean, I love playing a big, loud rock show. Like, that's incredible. And it's, they're basically on the same level, but we still have a lot of fun making music and a lot of, like, unique experiences in the studio where it doesn't feel like what we were saying earlier. Like, it doesn't feel like we're copy-pasting stuff right now. Like, it still feels, like, fresh and it still feels like it's spaced out enough for us where we can still go in and still find a new experience and still have fun. So, and then know that we get to share that with these people who are waiting for it. Like, that's such an awesome part of being in this band is that you're making something and you care so much about it and you also know that there are already people there that are waiting to see what you do with it. Like, that's a really fun sort of interaction that we get to have with our fan base. I don't necessarily think that we can fully comprehend how it feels to actually perform in front of people. I I think because it's still here and it's still tangible, I think that we can somehow take it for granted in in our brains, Mm -hmm. at least for me. Like, I, I go into such a place live that I don't, think I can fully appreciate, you know, like even after the Anaheim show, it was like we went straight into the bus and had, you know, a two and a half hour conversation about how we played and our ear mix and the way that my vocals sounded and, you know, everybody. And and then you're like, people had a blast and like, (laughs) just chill out, just like appreciate it. But I don't think that it can actually happen, you know, until it's gone. I think if that's, Anything that, that the past 18 months has taught us, too, is that mm. it can go away pretty quickly, you know? So Anything can. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you care about reaching new people, or are you focused on feeding what you have? I think that was part of the decision behind partnering with a label at this point for this yeah. record, you know? I feel like we have 
really harnessed what we do as 8123, which is our everything. Our our Everything that we do is ran through 8123. What is that number? It was a parking garage that we used to hang out on in <laughs> high school. Yeah. It's it, awesome. And it was on, in a, it was a lyric on the first record. And, and it's like we're... It's so funny because it's literally everything for us. And it means so many things to so many different people. But the the actual concrete of it just derives from a, a parking garage yeah. that wasn't even the actual number of the garage. It was the garage We're, that was in front of. So we would like smoke clove cigarettes and like bring <laughs> skateboards up there and be like, oh, fuck the world and like listen to Under Oath. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't know. So really but it's, it's, it's it been out. like, like you talk about your sister having a tattoo. There's, there's so many people with 8123 tattoos. And, mm-hmm. and what's the most incredible thing to me is that what that means to us mm-hmm. now means something completely different, but just as important for so many other people. And I think that it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's wild to see like people meet from different parts of the country and it's just been pretty, pretty humbling. Well, so that being said, that is handled. That's taken care of. Like this community takes care of each other. Like it's all inward facing everybody that's in our sort of eighty one twenty three family is like, they're reaching out to each other and they're like making friends and all this stuff is happening. So our goal is, is especially after seeing the reception for this record and seeing how accepting they are of new faces and new fans of this band. I think that our goal is to bring this to as many people as we can and see how big this community that we have can get. Cause we know that, you know, we have something there that for us is tangible and is super important. It's something we've been working on for over a decade, you know? So I don't know. That's that's the idea. So bringing more people into the fold, I guess, would be the answer to that. Yeah, we do want to sure. do that. And how do you do that? More songs like Sticky? I have no idea. <laughs> do you only work with Andrew? Like, I'm like, I want to get back to the fact that like you you have this great moment with this great writer producer Andrew Goldstein, and then you're like, you you like flee. Like you don't you don't be like, okay, we're gonna I'm gonna lock you in this room for the next two weeks, and we're gonna try to crank out a couple more of these. I think it, it was. I hadn't written with anybody since the first, or since the second record on Warner Brothers, wow. and that experience wow. for the two of us was very. <laughs> That's crazy. It was terrible. You went that long without writing with another person. Yeah, we had such an awful time. Not to say we didn't meet good people. <laughs> so bad. You know, we had ex- we had <laughs> incredible experiences too. We, we wrote with Butch Walker. Cool, um, awesome session. We did. There, there were a few sessions in there that were really great, but there were a few that were just so bad that we were like, you know what? Let's just let's just do this. How about just just us? <laughs> I won't name I won't name the person for the sake of anonymity, but we showed up to a writing session and the there's a sign on the door and um it says like come around back and we're like, "Oh, cool." I've got my like acoustic like in a case, right? And we we hear people like laughing and like sp- splashing around in a pool and the guy totally forgot that we were writing. And we had literally, that was like the only thing we had to, to do was write with this guy. And he's like, oh, shit, that's today? He's like, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you guys want some board shorts and a beer? And we're like... <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of, but also like we got to get this record done. Like, you know. Um. We bounced to, to in and out but it was just like experiences <laughs> like that. And then just being in rooms with people that don't care. And the thing about Andrew is that 
we had met him when he was in his band, Friday Night Boys. And that's, I think the experiences that go so well are the ones that uh, you're in a room with a person that understands what it's like to be on the artist side of things. Like what it's like to tour, what it's like to be in a room with some random person writing, you know. I think that's why it worked so well with Andrew. And I, I ended up writing a couple songs too with Colby Wedgworth, who had, who had produced a couple of our albums. And that's the same thing. It's like we just, I don't know, we just. And to be fair, it's not, we're not like, it's not like we did that sticky with Andrew and it's like we're not going to. No, because I've hit it. up Andrew yeah. and been like, yo, whenever you're free, like, let's do <laughs> totally, it. Totally, dude. Yeah. Know, fortunate for him, he's crushing it. He's busy. And we're mm-hmm. in a place now where we just released records, so we don't need music ASAP. Yeah. But I've I've certainly texted him quite a few times. Yeah. yeah. Please. <laughs> Work with me. Please, <laughs> no. sir. No, he's such a good dude. And, it, and again, the experience was so amazing that... Well, when it comes it. time to write again, it's a no-brainer for like, sure. Clearly, it's like really hard to mix creative energies. Absolutely. Like not all of them mesh. And God, when you have it, you like try to keep it. Yeah. For sure. Because we were coming off that Fearless record that we did, the first record, and where we did it most, I mean, we did the record ourselves. It was yeah. like um, going into the second one, you get signed to Warner and you're like, Oh, well, they signed us because they love this first record. And they're like, okay, just go do all this other stuff with all these other people. You so don't we, we kind of went write in. Songs. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So we kind of went in a little bit closed off because of that, I think. And, yeah. and it just took a long time. I mean, as you were saying, it took years and years to kind of like shake that off and be like, let somebody into that circle and see what happens. And, and I don't know. You know, it, it, it wasn't Glad just Glad we did it because now, now that that world exists again for us, it'll be amazing to kind of. Yeah go back into whatever's to come next. On and your terms. Absolutely. When yeah. you want it, how you want to do it. I feel like there's a, a there was confidence issues on my part too, like feeling like you don't, not that you don't belong, but that you, you somehow your voice is going to be... Diminished? Yeah, especially unheard? with writing with somebody else, yeah. you know? And I, I just, like you said, like for me, it, you know... Lyrics are really important, and a message that I want to convey is really important. You know, in my head, it's important. It's important that I get it out. And in that scenario on the second record, it was like one session we literally went into, it was like uh, our A&R guy was like, they need to write the next uh, American Girl by Tom Petty. And but the they pe- told them that before we got there. So like, And they know. hit space bar when we walked in the room, and it was literally <laughs> the drum beat for American <laughs> Girl. And we're like, what the f- is going on dude like yeah that's really something yeah it's so. just little things like that where we we're like it's not listen that's not that's not a minor it it's a minor yeah. offense but it's sure. still like you're you're in that situation you're like all right this doesn't feel like how i would do it and i've already kind of lost control of the scenario for sure you know so whatever it's we're, we're back to feeling good about it we're now, back though. baby we're back baby xoxo from love and anxiety in real time is this album kind of done in real time like, do you take notes while you're experiencing something and then go into the Absolutely. studio? Absolutely, yeah. In the same way that I kind of keep all those working titles that I was talking to you about, I actually, like, on my phone, I text my own number. And <laughs> I do so that all the time. And my wife will be like, at first, when we were first dating, she's like, who, who are you texting all the time? I'm like, myself. <laughs> myself, <laughs> duh. <laughs> Especially because uh, we do set, time timelines for ourselves like we we time stamp it it's like this record is what i was feeling in the moment 
and and very much so on a sonic level too. Like this is what we wanted to do at the time. And it's not to say that, you know, we don't want that now or it's just whatever's to come next is going to be, you know, in the moment as well and and, and feel hopefully just as fresh as this one. Now, didn't you say you didn't like If Your Light Goes Out at first? Is that you? I was the only one. Yeah, why yeah. was that? I I don't know. I'm. It, it's kind of one of those things where like, it just never felt right to me, and I was in the complete minority. And it's that I, moment like, that I was talking about, though, where you look mm-hmm. back and you're like, the, probably the four of us are going like, dude, yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't he know literally how. It was like, my girlfriend's parents said that that's the best song that you guys have ever written. And I was like, why? Why? But yeah. then it, you kind of have to get out of your own way. You know, it's was like. It the lyrics or was it the sound? What didn't you like? It's not the lyrics because I hadn't penned the lyrics and, and I don't normally pen the lyrics until it's time to, to sing. And I don't know what it was. It just never, it never hit a chord with me. And uh, these guys were abundantly clear, like, this is going on the record. I was very, we were very vocal about it. And there it, have been know? instances in the past where I've also done the same thing where I'm like, this song just doesn't, doesn't feel right for some reason well yeah, yeah. I, I saw you say you rewrote pretender didn't you have to go back and kind of yeah that it? was the first one that i had tracked vocals for on this record um and again it didn't feel right and i feel like that they they allow a bit more freedom on that end of things because they know that i'm gonna have to be the one that sings it every night but at can, least that's, i think that's well candid react i mean we haven't even talked about this but like my first react like on the first cut of it i thought that i had was like because we never know. It's we're in, in all of our demos, John's singing gibberish. He hasn't put words in until there's melody there. Mm-hmm. Why do but, you wait until the last <clears throat> second? I don't know. I ask myself that all the time because it brings me nothing but <laughs> pain. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. More pain than what you're writing about? I, I heard I think what it is, and I'm going to cite David Byrne from the Talking Heads, but he did a record called Speaking in Tongues, and he talks about that record and said that that was his process. And I was like, dude. That's I want that. Yeah. And like I don't know why. And then for the last three records, I mm. think I've done that. Listen, like it's that's the probably the most exciting part because he goes in with this language that sounds like like The Sims talking to each other, <laughs> and it comes out and the syllables are different. And you have to like kind of because I've been listening to this gibberish for months at this point, and so then you have to like yeah. relearn it. And I heard the first cut of what ended up being Pretender, and I remember thinking like I was like, dude, I bet. I bet he could beat that, but I'm not going to say that to him. <laughs> I'm not going to say a word. And then I like I felt so good when you like you're like I'm hitting that again, and I was like, I th- I think that's the right call, but I'm still not going to say that. And then it came out, and I was like, this is like this is what the song is. So you know? what do you keep from the original, and what do you look to change? The whole content was different on Pretender specifically, but it was just almost like it felt forced. I was trying to like force. Um, Whatever it was, mm. I was like, I had just, uh, I, I had been engaged for a while and I was like going to talk about marriage. And then I was like, this is like, I don't know. It just feels like something I haven't experienced yet. And we hadn't been married yet. So it was like, I don't know. I think I ended up. Yeah, I'm not sure. There was just a moment where like there's it's like with any part on the record where you're like, oh, I don't know if this is actually working for the thing that it is. And it wasn't like <laughs> you all, he has this incredible analogy for 
for like for fashion, but yeah. it would be like uh, um, I went to a store <laughs> and bought a shirt that I thought the pattern was really cool on the front, right? And then turning around and it being like one of those like Ed Hardy shirts <laughs> on with the like back. all the pattern, like the. You know, it's like it's like presented so well, and then you turn it over and you look at it, you're like, oh. Or like a good pair of so jeans close. that fit really well, yeah. and then the back pockets have like the rhinestones and like that <laughs> vibe. Jared, do you think you would have spoken up eventually if he wouldn't have gone back in? No. You would have let that happen? Yeah, for sure. That's that lyrically, and like that's the thing is I'm not, I don't, we don't, the four of us aren't really conceptually putting anything into these lyrics. Like that's his, that's his entire sandbox. To kind of lean into the if your light goes out thing, it was like, if it weren't for these guys on our record, American Candy, one of our songs, Unlost, wouldn't have made it on the record. And that song for for the, the people that dig what we do is like a really important song. Um, I've seen a ton of tattoos with those lyrics specifically. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, yeah, if I was... if. I, if I was allowing myself to be in my way and not heeding the advice. And, and I, that's, again, what I think is great about being in a band and mm-hmm. being in this dynamic is that even if I am the only one writing lyrics and, and sometimes writing the song, it's like still these guys are going to have to perform it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, a, it's kind of a two-way street. Yeah, I mean, a nudge, some, like maybe... But I don't think I, it's, it's not I've my. I've never had like a do better. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they, they are in the room when I'm doing vocals. Mm-hmm. So it is like, you know. It's still that whole thing where it's like, yeah, dude. Or it's like, that, or that, I'm that's, texting. That's palpable. Like, yeah. I can feel that from the other yeah. side of the glass. Like, if, if I'm not getting like, mm-hmm. this is cool. And I'm getting like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Then it's definitely time to reassess. How do you think you would take it if you did get a. Hey man, we could we could do better than that. <laughs> it's funny because it, I don't know. It's like again with routine and dynamic roles and stuff like that. I think we got to a point where we all were very comfortable in the roles that we kind of assumed. And I think now, I think I would accept it more than ever before because it's like I know it's not malicious and i know we're all working towards the same thing and you want want, yeah so you also also have to know where you're like where do you sit in the process too it's like for me it's like there could be something that i'm working on he'd be like oh i'm hearing it this way then i can hand him my guitar and he can be like this is what i'm hearing and we can bounce that idea but if i go in the booth i'm like this is what i'm hearing johnny you don't want to hear any of that there's a reason why I don't really touch the mic that often, you know. So it's like there is that. You got to kind of bounce that off each other and, and know what the strengths are. So, you know. Did everybody naturally just fall into the different roles that they play within the group? Yeah. Yeah. And Over time, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like it, there's it, – it's again, That's also been points of frustration, you know, where it's like it, without vocalizing how you're feeling, like no one's – no one can just – understand you know no one can understand how you're feeling unless we come together and talk about it and we've had to learn that the hard way you know there's been times when it it hasn't been easy to talk but it's been necessary Mm -hmm. um and that's something that we still are figuring out you know still figuring you know how to 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 navigate our dynamic but it's uh i think we're more so more than ever before we're on the same page than not. Yeah, like, what if somebody said, like, I'm going to 
join you and write a song with you or I have a lyrical idea? I mean, the past, especially for this record, Jared sent me the, the most demos he's ever sent. And I talked about him, or talked about this with you on the way out mm. to California a couple of weeks ago, but it was like, just, I, I honestly, I mean, Pretender came from a demo that he mm. had, but for me, it meant more that he was sending things because it meant that while I was kind of like in my head, kind of, you know, killing myself for this, 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 process in this record and songwriting it meant that he was thinking about it too and it meant more that he the act meant more than even any of the songs not to say they were bad because obviously you know some made it on the record but it was like it was a very important thing for me to know that he was thinking about it and it meant just as much to him as it did to me and and that sounds weird because you'd think like well yeah it just means the same to everybody but you again without vocalizing it, without talking about it, you, you don't, don't know, know how other people feel. You know, yeah, and everybody has a different role. And for we, sure, yeah. and we we very much uh, have our own lives too. You know, mm-hmm. and we're very much we're with each other a lot, but when we're not, we're we're you know living our own lives too. Yeah. So it's it's hard sure. to know. Does it surprise you guys that you've been able to maintain for so long? It doesn't surprise me because I I, I genuinely enjoy these guys like i i like mm-hmm. like them as people yeah. and i think that you know being in in the main is a really important thing for us and it still means the world to us so i think that's why we're still a band is that everybody still digs each other absolutely it's like having a full-on family yeah you know and it's like because there's people involved with this operation that have been here almost as long as the five of us you know whether it's people that we tour with or people that we work with and Chelsea, what's up? Hey, Chelsea. <laughs> um, I mean, it, our, our our TM, our tour manager and, and sound engineer, he was literally in the suburban, playing, on, filling in for for Garrett, Garrett while we were first touring. Touring. This yeah. is this means like playing shows to zero people. <laughs> yeah. But you know, he's been around f- for that entire time, mm-hmm. and it's just. So having that and and having that energy around and having that between the five of us um, and seeing it kind of be, um, I don't know, sort of a magnet for other people to mm-hmm. want to be around that. And I, th- I think, yeah, you're going to have your differences sometimes. Like it's going to – like what else would you expect if you take, you know, 10 people and cram them in a <laughs> tube and throw them on the road for – you know, there's obviously going to be moments where it's like, you know, you have to give up a little bit or maybe take a little bit more in, at the time. But – I think we've learned where everybody's threshold is at and everyone's pretty respectful of like, when do I need to approach this thing or should we talk or can we let this go? And it's really about just like knowing the nuances that exist, you know, within our band. And we've kind of dialed into that over the years. Is there a lyric or a song that you created that you still reflect on today? I mean, I have, I have to preface this by saying I did. I wasn't the run, one that wrote the lyrics, so, but I implemented them in one of our early songs, um, and I got them tattooed on my chest. But it, um, it's we all have been degraded. We all will be the greatest, and it's just more. I think it's more about the nostalgia of the time, and less about the content of of the wording. Um, for me, at this point. 
But there's things off the new record that, um, especially in like Face Towards the Sun, I was talking about my grandmother and the, and her passing, but I think I was talking more about just the inevitability of death in general. And as we're getting older and sort of entering this new phase of, of life ourselves, I think as our parents are aging, at least for me, it's like, you know, recognizing more of that fragility and, and more that comes along with the passing of time. And um, I think that song, uh, at least because it's so fresh, will definitely stick around. But there are things like from Unlost that like, I still see people with tattoos or asking to get tattoos and um, they are just good reminders of like where my head was at at the time and like, you know, good or bad. Um, all just learning experiences, I guess, for myself. And it sounds, yeah, it sounds weird that I have tattoos of our lyrics. But. Well, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, it was a whole other thing before yeah, I was aware, yeah. but it's fine. Do you have the band's logo on your arm? I do. Inside. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have many tattoos, and most of them aren't great, but that one's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a question about some of your lyrics. Do you connect them on purpose with older songs? Because I can't take credit for this because I saw your fans talking about it. But in Sticky, is there a reference to Black Butterflies and Deja Vu? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually, I feel like this is the first time I consciously did it on this record, and I don't know why it became a thing. I don't know why I did it, but I there were little nods to the past. It felt like... um. I don't know, maybe a convergence of like the idea of us producing this ourselves and again, the passing of 15 years in January mm-hmm. and just, I don't know. It's, they're more like appreciation nods and the fact that like people pick up on them, like Easter eggs, yeah. it's pretty sweet. Yeah, I saw another one. Is uh, the way we talk, is that connected to lips? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, so it's it's... I don't know. It's funny because I didn't know he was doing that, and then I'm such I'm so bad with lyrics. And then record came out, and I saw kids like talking about it. I was like, oh, so you had no idea, <laughs> wow. either, man. He didn't even like say, "Hey guys, let's." I'm I mean, doing I was, this. I've heard the song so many times. You know, I just wasn't in my head. I wasn't making these connections, and then kids were like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Is there a song that's taken on a new meaning to you, other than when you wrote it and released it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of them do, um, and that's kind of based on how people react to them and, like, the stories that they share with me. Um, One definitely is Black Butterflies and Deja Vu, and I wrote the song about an acid trip that I took, and people, it sounds like a love song, but it was a love song, but not about a person, and... About what? It was about falling in love with the world and I was on drugs that were making me like make these connections that I'd never felt before. And I'm not going to say it wasn't spiritual because it was, but when I wrote the song, it was more how do I kind of, um, how do I, how do I like pull the blinds over the eyes without, you know, and not be overt about drug use because I'm definitely, I don't use drugs often if ever but this was just such an incredible experience and now people had always related their relationships to it and then I fell in love after that record with my now wife and now that song to me is more about her and less about what I intended from the 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 start so that's pretty cool yeah yeah it's weird and and people 
you know, came together and, and really dug that song. So mm. like live, it's it's a really powerful thing to perform because people connected with it so well. And now it's it's very much a, a different experience than, yeah. than what it started out as. Yeah. It's really special. You think you guys would ever bring back, I know we were talking about how you're not really pop punk band, but would you bring back those pop punk chants? Because on the first album, especially in like Girls Do What They Want, you had a couple of, in, of, the, of them in there. For sure. I would say that we, like gang vocals yeah. in general, we strayed away from. Um, and I think we tried to do things in our songwriting that like inferred gang vocals, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. without being like so on the nose, like here's a group of guys, <laughs> here's a group of people. You know? yeah. I think, I don't know, if we did it now, we'd probably be weird about it and be like okay somebody wear a muzzle dude and like somebody- <laughs> that, that process is so funny by the way in What's the studio like? so like we'll have like usually it's just buddies of ours we'll be like hey can you like come to the studio or like whoever's in town and then you get everybody around this big like mic in the middle of the room and then whoever's running the board will like cut a couple takes and then we'll kind of have to figure out which guy needs to stand further from the <laughs> mic <laughs> and it's sort of this process where you're like Hey, can so-and-so just turn around and have his back towards the mic? Like, this isn't, like, you're really peeking through. It's yeah, like, you know. vibe is good. Yeah. Like, I can only auto-tune, like, three voices at a time. I can't do, like, ten. And it's so funny, man. It's like, you know, you're like, <laughs> you have to, like, kind of tag somebody Actually, out. on that first record, you can hear, it's the last song on the record, um, We'll All Be. And mm-hmm. you can... Yeah. If you n- knew the person's voice, you can specifically hear it. Mm. It's one of our buddies, and it's it's pretty amazing to listen back to the actual recording. Jared, do you actually get to sing on these ones? They, I like, do. Like, I'll go and I'll be, I'll like volunteer to go in there for those. You know? And then everyone's like, "Yeah, tell Jared to kind of." Yeah, yeah, it's for, for sure like pulling <laughs> teeth though, because everybody's like, "I can't sing, I can't sing." It's like, yeah, well, we're going for like an "I can't sing" kind of vibe. So yeah. you're going for like the crowd at the show shouting back at you. Yeah. yeah. Which is actually pretty crazy. People at shows can sing. Or like when like they're singing together, maybe it's just, I don't know. It's actually scientific. It's got to be. I've heard that like if you create a song within a certain range, uh-huh. it's like a range that both men and women can sing in unison. Okay. And it's like if you're within the, the certain, I don't know, octaves or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. you call it, you can strike everybody. And like nobody has to really stress themselves to sing, and it like naturally I feel like that's finds like the right the, register. Yeah, like Garth Brooks, yeah. that's his zone. Yeah, like I went and saw him two years ago or something like that, and it was mm. uh, friends in low places. I and mean, that song oh. specifically is like Chef's Kiss. Yeah, Chef's two. two. Wow. Oh, <laughs> yeah, every chef that, that's the chef one, man. Okay, we've covered a lot here covered so far. Lot, yeah. Oh yeah, gosh, oh, yeah. I have this deep desire for pop punk to come back. Do you think it even still exists today? Like, would you call Machine Gun Kelly or Jaden or Nessa Barrett pop punk? I'm not sure because... Do you know them? I do know Machine Gun Kelly's music. Like, I feel like he was a rapper at one point, and that kind of goes to what we were talking about earlier. Like, there is no genre that... Like he belongs in, I'm not sure, or maybe he does. It's or really pop alternative, but like, <laughs> right? but you've yeah, got, I don't know, you've got fast drums, you've got repeating vocals, like it's pop and it's punk. punk. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's pop punk. I think there's like a, again, we were talking about classifying certain things. It and, might and sound different than the stuff that you know, exactly. But most things do that. Like listen to listen to hip hop in general. Like stuff goes all over the place. Yeah, there's like, an evolution consistently. Yeah. 
But are we going to call it hip hop? Probably. Yeah. You know, but hip hop to me, hip hop is like the most punk thing happening. It really right is. Now. Probably the most punk thing that's happened in 20 years mm-hmm. where it's just like so innovative. Have you, I mean, watch any these guys have mosh pits now yeah like straight up mosh pits but also like, there's hip-hop artists that are being played on alternative radio 100 mm-hmm. percent. so it's a really great thing you know especially for us like this the, the first time taking a song to radio like if there ever was a good time for this renaissance to happen for us it's yeah. right now you know because by association even if you know we aren't necessarily fitting every you know, ticking every box of the pop punk thing just by association, like having having real low, drums, be successful and guitars, our cause. That's, you know, yeah, for sure. Having so that a, element, yeah, is, for us, huge. Like that helps. That only opens the door wider for bands like us. Totally. Yeah. I just think it's on like alternative radio not to shy away from new music. For sure, they need to not make their playlist or current base. They need to find a mix that'll like welcomes everybody in mm-hmm. i mean i call on the big uh, alternative programmers like if there's a spotify playlist that you want your songs to hit what is it is it is it the new rock is it uh the alternative one is it the you know today's hits any of them. all of them, <laughs> all all of them. Of them. <laughs> any and all i think what does like jared's saying help our cause and like you, you, to go to your point is like machine the machine gun kelly's yeah. and those kind of artists by them making like to dumb it way down making guitar music cool again Mm -hmm. really helps our cause because that's the backbone of what we do is Mm -hmm. is guitars and and live music you know Mm -hmm. so it's it helps us tremendously for sure listen to this new album from the main xoxo from love and anxiety in real time there's a link in the description below but also there's a huge discography here that goes back to 2007 so listen, is that wild? To you? It is wild. It is wild. <laughs> it's very wild. God, very weird. I, I honestly, I haven't listened to that stuff probably since. Forgot we had it. Two thousand seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like how do you pick your set list? Very, it's very tough. <laughs> and like on this tour specifically, our set is like seven songs, thirty-five minutes. I think we're playing like less songs than we have records. So it's like, <laughs> you are. that's true. So, so it's like, how do you, you can't get a song from every record in the set. You know, it's like, it's and so, we're so wow, selfish right? when it comes to set lists sometimes because we just want to play new stuff. Yeah. You know, you're like so excited about new things, but we know that but, as fans going to bands that we love, we wouldn't want to just hear, you know, stuff. the new Neil Young the whole time. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> He's just going to come the out thing and be about like... Neil Young, the punk rock thing about Neil Young is he would only play new yeah. stuff. <laughs> and yeah. he'd be he like, yeah. He's like, give a <laughs> about you. Yeah. Same with, <laughs> how much you paid to see him. Same with Bob Dylan. I heard that same thing. It's yeah. like, if you go see Bob Dylan now, don't expect to see any of that. No. Don't no. expect to see what you want. If he's got a song that's on like a top 100 of all time list, he's not going to play it. He's like, yeah. nope. John Mayer would change his set list every night. So you try to get everything in, but you would never know what it's going to be night to night. So you can't really plan it. I love that. We did that for one tour where yeah. we, were, we were switching out a lot of songs and stuff. And It's cool. It's fun. It's cool that like, we had a couple like things that we knew we had to have on there. Yeah. But, you know, it was fun to have that rotation. Keep Absolutely. you on your toes. But you can only do that when it's your show. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, and that's why you got to go to all two hundred of them. To yep. get exactly, every song. to yep. really get the full immersive experience. <laughs> you got to go to two hundred <laughs> shows. I'm really happy that you guys are here. Yeah, saying this is awesome. No, thanks, thanks so much guys, for having yeah. us. It started with an inst- who was I DMing with on Instagram? That was Pat, our drummer. He's not even here. He's not even. He here. He was supposed to be. Well, he was going to. I don't know. 
I don't know where he's at. He's got a, ba- a uh, one-year-old baby girl. Oh, and yeah. I think that touring and, yeah, you know. He's got things. Yeah. So. Priorities. But oh. he, yeah, he he slid into your DMs. So he's, is he the main on Instagram? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He wow. is very Pat, much. Pat Kirch is the main. He's the main main. If you, <laughs> he's yeah. the main main. He's sure. the main main. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like very much the brains behind and he's great to have for interviews too, because like he has a photographic memory. So I probably said like ten like slightly wrong things. That's what I'm saying. Like when you were saying dates, I just like went along with them. And Pat, and would, Pat be like, would be like, "Well, actually, that was May of two 2007, and we were. I could tell you what we had for lunch, and like yeah. he really is a photographic memory. Oh, dude, I think so. It's it's bizarre. I guarantee you, he could list our tours in order from 2007 uh-huh. to now. Yeah. Where is he based? Is he in Arizona too? He's in Arizona. All of us, except for Jared, um, are in Arizona and he's out here in California. He's our neighbor. We just learned yep. that. He's right down the street. Yeah. Yep. Wait, so you guys were here yesterday. We were. And then you just, oh, so you're, you're the last one who straggled behind. I f- Thank you. We fly out tonight. Yeah, we got to go meet up with the, with the boys in Denver after this. Thanks for staying for us. Thank oh, you. Of course. Really Thank you for having us. Thank you. Appreciate Thank it, you. guys. Yeah. The main everyone. Shout out to Pat. Sorry you're not here. See you on Instagram. <laughs> See you in Denver. <laughs> hey, beautiful human, you made it through our conversation with the main. Thank you so much for your time and energy today. If you want to watch it, if you want to see what happened in the studio, there's a video. It's on YouTube. Just search the Zach Sang Show, please. And share this podcast with those you care about and let us know who should we have on the show next at Zach Sang Show on any form of social media. We'll talk soon. Be safe. Hug your family if you can. And don't go to jail. Have a great day.